Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 30-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, The Four-Hour School Day, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. You can find all three of those books at Amazon. You can also find them at my website, dorendawilson.com. Right now, if you subscribe to my monthly email newsletter, you will receive a free digital copy of Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. That is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. And so as we're going into the new year and sort of reestablishing good habits, um, Bible reading should be at the top of the list. And this little devotional can help you do just that. So all you have to do is go to DorendaWilson.com and sign up for my monthly email newsletter. And the little unhurried grace for a mom's heart is yours for free. You know, I received a heartwarming message from Rachel in Oklahoma that I just had to share with all of you. Rachel writes, I've gotten my son on CTC math. He's my oldest of five and he absolutely loves it. He shared how it allows him to progress at a pace that's right for him, much faster than our previous material. And here's the cherry on top. This shift has gifted me an extra 20 minutes, allowing me to focus more on my two and three-year-olds. Rachel says, thank you for sharing CTC math with your listeners. I'm, it's already making a huge difference for us. Friends, if you haven't yet, it might be time to explore what CTC math can do for your family. Jumpstart your child's math journey by visiting ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Now, today I'm going to be talking about finding rest in the Lord spiritually. But before I do, I want to tell you about an amazing summer leadership camp that my friends at XL College host. It's no secret that now more than ever, it is vital for our teens to learn to think critically and live wisely as they navigate the world and become who God made them to be. My friends at XL College are passionate about helping young leaders learn to discover God's truth, discern wisely, and live wholeheartedly, and have fun doing it. If the teenager in your home wants to grow in their faith while building lifelong friendships and going on the adventure of a lifetime, send them to XL College's Summer Leadership Camp. It's a transformative journey where they'll go on thrilling adventures like camping, rock climbing, and whitewater rafting, and receive expert training and certifications in categories from CPR to wilderness first aid. Apply now at the xlcamp.org and select Dorenda Wilson for $100 off the camp. I will leave a link in the show notes for XL Camp and for CTC Math. I hope you go and check them out. Okay, so this is the final episode in my four-part series on finding rest in the Lord. This episode is really the thread that ties all the other episodes together because the ability to rest physically, mentally, and emotionally is directly tied to finding spiritual rest in the Lord. The scripture that comes to mind is Proverbs 4.23. The ESV translation says it this way, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow springs of life. The NIV translation reads like this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And the New Living Translation says this, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So everything we do, the way we live our lives flows from within. 
So we need to be intentional about tending to our spiritual lives with all diligence because it so clearly affects everything else, physical, mental, and emotional. So we're going to start by defining what spiritual rest is, because that's really the question here. When we use the term, what does this mean? And so we're going to turn to Hebrews 3 verse 7 to 4 verse 11 to find that out. I want to go ahead and read through it. And I want you to be listening for the theme throughout this passage. Okay, we'll start with chapter 3, verse 7 of Hebrews. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in scripture where it mentions on the seventh day, um, where it mentions the seventh day and says, on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So they, so God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will 
fall. So as I read through that passage, you may have noticed that the passage transitions from talking about the Old Testament rest that involved a physical promised land of rest to a New Testament spiritual place of rest. So this is not unusual for the, uh, for the Old Testament to talk about what we would call a type and a shadow of what was come in the New Testament through Christ. What was promised in the Old Testament came to full fruition in the New Testament through Christ. So those who looked forward to and trusted that God would bring the Messiah were believers like we who look back and trust that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. So our ultimate rest will happen when we get to heaven, of course. Um, However, there is a rest that we can experience here on earth. So as we walk through the many trials and tribulations that we inevitably do, we can find rest in the Lord. Now, let me be clear, however, that those who don't know Christ cannot enter this rest. Neither can those who call themselves believers, but walk in unbelief, okay? So let's go back to the original question. What is spiritual rest? Okay, spiritual rest has everything to do with resting in the finished work of Christ. So in other words, we're not depending on our own works to save us or help us find favor with God. We have salvation and favor with God because of what Jesus did. And we know that and we walk in it, which means we believe God. We believe what he says and we walk in it. The work that he accomplished, that Jesus accomplished is complete. He said it was finished. It is complete. It needs nothing from us. So basically, bottom line is spiritual rest. In order to find spiritual rest, we must believe. This is uh, really just a matter of belief as opposed to unbelief. So belief allowing us to enter into the rest, into rest versus unbelief where we will not enter into that rest. So what does it look like when we aren't entering that rest? It can look a lot of different ways, but I'll give you a couple of examples. When we experience continual inner turbulence because we cannot rest in the finished work of Christ, that is an example of not entering his rest. In other words, we are working to earn God's love or salvation or favor rather than receiving it by grace and then having good works and the fruits of the spirit resulting from that trust in Christ's work alone. And a real practical example of that would be trying to you know, exhibit the fruits of the Spirit without the power of the Spirit, without believing and without obeying, okay? It's like taping fruit on a fruit tree or trying to tape an apple onto a pear tree. And, and you know, it, it just doesn't work. Like you can tape the fruit onto the tree, but it doesn't make it actual real fruit. So, Um, we need to just bear that in mind that we cannot produce fruit without belief and without trust, not real fruit. So if we're adding to or taking away from the gospel, we are walking in unbelief. So in other words, if we're trying to do all of this in our own strength and trying to produce this fruit in our own strength, um, we are actually walking in unbelief and trying to add to the finished work of Christ. And we do not need to do that. There is nothing to be added. We cannot do that successfully because there is nothing to be added. Now, if we're adding 
Or like I said, if we're adding or taking away from the gospel, we are walking in unbelief. Here's another example, legalism. Legalism is adding to the gospel. Legalism is when people try to secure righteousness in God's sight by good works instead of trusting in God's grace and faith alone. It focuses on God's laws more than a relationship with God and adds human rules to divine laws. And there are many versions of this. I mean, we can even find this in the homeschool uh, arena where you've got different homeschool cliques and Uh, Christian homeschool cliques, and it's as though if you don't, you know, abide by these rules that we have made that are not stated in scripture, then you are less than spiritual or you may not even be a Christian, okay? So an example of that might be women having to wear dresses to be truly saved or more spiritual, Wearing only dresses can be a conviction. I have nothing I have nothing against that. Or it could be a preference. But it is not a salvation issue. It is not something that adds to anything to our lives in terms of our spiritual fruit and our standing with God. Being anxious is another way that we can fail to trust in the Lord spiritually. Philippians 4 verses 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if God tells us not to be anxious about anything, we can be assured that it is possible to not be anxious about anything. Now, this doesn't mean that if we experience anxiety that we are necessarily disobeying God, but we can be assured that believing the truth that God wants us to bring our anxieties to him and that he promises to give us peace as we do so will lead us away from anxiety. Now, this can be a longer process than we often expect, which means if we're still struggling with anxiety, even though we've prayed, once or twice about something, maybe several times, we can be assured that it is not a lack of God's faithfulness or that his word is not true, but that we need to continue to press in and persevere through more prayer and more taking our thoughts captive and meditating on God's word because we know, we believe that God is faithful and his word is true absolutely true. So we persevere in obedience because we believe these things to be true. We believe. We are walking in belief, not unbelief. So why do we need to rest spiritually? It's very simple because God commands us to do so. It is an act of faith. It is an act of obedience. It is an act of worship. So how do we rest spiritually? We rest spiritually by believing that God is who he says he is and that his word is the final authority. And we walk in obedience to that. So in short, we believe God. Now, Israel was forced to wander because of their unbelief at the border of the promised land, just as they were getting ready, just as they were they were right there, guys. They were right on that border, ready to go into the promised land. And God was telling them that they could and would enter the promised land, that he would see to it. 
But these people went ahead and sent spies into the promised land to scope it out. And those spies came back with reports that frightened them. So instead of trusting God, they chose not to enter because of fear and because of unbelief. This was disobedience to God. They hardened their hearts amid temptation in the day of trial. They allowed fear to drive them rather than allowing God to lead them. So taking just a minute to be thinking about what sorts of things are, what sorts of ways are we being tempted right now? What sort of trials are we walking through? What sort of conflicts, maybe even quarrels or disagreements we're having with others? Are we allowing fear to drive us Or are we allowing God to lead us to that place of rest? And sometimes that is a process. But if we are walking in obedience to the Lord and we're meditating on Him and we're keeping Him at the forefront of our minds and we're worshiping Him and we're trusting in His promises, He will lead us to a place of rest in those situations. Spiritual rest has everything to do with walking in unbelief, or belief. Okay? Return to rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Psalm 116, verse 7. And then Isaiah 28, 12 says, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Scott LaPierre has been on the podcast a couple of times. I'll leave a link in the show notes to the episodes that we did together on finances and marriage. But he wrote a great post on what spiritual rest is. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that as well. But here's what he had to say about spiritual rest. Ronald Sauer writes, divine rest then is more than life in Canaan. That literal rest is but a type of its spiritual counterpart. Since the rest is spiritual instead of physical, it is available regardless of physical location or circumstances. If we believe, we can experience God's rest wherever we are and regardless of what's going on in our lives. If we don't believe, we can't experience God's rest no matter where we are and regardless of what's going on in our lives. The author used the word today in Hebrews 3, verses 7, 13, 15, and again in 4, Uh, chapter four, verse seven, how much more could he emphasize urgency and the present to his readers? Although we are justified in a moment once for all time, there's a need to daily enter God's promised rest. When we wake up each morning and say, I believe God, I trust him. Today, I will enter his rest. We're left with a now and not yet reality. In this life, we enjoy God's rest, but we look forward to heaven where we will be able to experience the true and greater reality of eternal rest. We can rest in the salvation Jesus provides. We don't have to wonder if we've done enough because it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done. It's not based on our work, but on Christ's work on our behalf. It's not about our unrighteousness. It's about Jesus' righteousness imputed to our account. I rest because Jesus, my advocate, sat down at the right hand of his father in glory. They said to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him 
whom he sent. So when we think of work, we don't think of believing. We think of doing something. Jesus used the word work ironically. The people were convinced they should work to earn God's favor. Jesus said they must abandon confidence in their efforts and trust wholly in him and the work he would do. Their work is to believe that their work will never save them. Only Christ's finished work can do so. That is why true saving faith is not a thing that we do that prompts God to be gracious to us. Faith is the God-given gift, the instrument by which we lay hold of Christ and all his merits. I will leave a link in the show notes for that. Um, You'll be able to find that quote in there in that very, very good article um, on spiritual rest. But moms, the bottom line, the main point Our salvation is by grace alone. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 say, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Moms, this is why we can rest spiritually. And when we rest spiritually, we are so much more able to rest physically, mentally, and emotionally. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truths in your word. We thank you for this beautiful passage that teaches us about this rest that is ours in you. Father, it's interesting that this this rest is actually work because it, it kind of flies in the face and bristles against our human nature and against the culture that says that we have to make self-improvements. We have to be the ones to become our best selves. And that's not at all what we were created for. We were created to yield to you as our master and Lord and watch the amazing work that only you can do in our lives. Father, I pray that all of us would yield ourselves fully to that work and that you would help us in all circumstances, in all trials and afflictions and conflicts, Lord, that we would find that rest as we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 